0: The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. On this final pre-supernatural meeting, everything we need to learn, everything we need to know, the wisdom that brings wonders that we need activated in our lives, let it come to us through the preaching and teaching of your word tonight and through the impartation of your spirit, particularly for the new things you have in store for us in this season, the things that you are about to cause to spring forth in our lives. So have your way, speak to our hearts one and all. Let nobody return the same way they came. Let Supernatural 2018 be a defining moment in all our lives. Let us have encounters that will mark us forever. And bring us into that place where you have ordained for us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And the church shouted a louder, Amen. God bless you. Please help me appreciate your neighbor to your left and to your right. And you can be seated. And I want to encourage you to pay attention. Listen very attentively to what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. This is our final pre-supernatural meeting. And what we are endeavoring to do is to prepare ourselves well for what God is set to do. God is always set to do something. More particularly when he tells you a new thing. God has given us his word. Like Dr. Emeka told us two Sundays ago, God will tell you what he wants to do ahead of time. That's what God told them in Isaiah when he was telling them, forget the former things. New things are coming. And before they happen, I will tell you, shall you not know it? And the reason why he does that is, number one, so that you can have an expectation. Can I hear somebody say, I'm expecting new things from heaven? You you use the word of God To build your hope. To paint a picture of the future that you desire. And number two is for you to believe. Hope and faith, they all come from the word of God. Hallelujah. And specifically what we want you to do or what we're encouraging you to do is to start... Thinking supernatural and believing supernatural. There is a dimension of the supernatural. Supernatural. Above natural. Beyond natural. More than natural. And we've shared several things. You can go back to our archives and listen. I want to try and cover as much ground again tonight since this is the final night. And I want to start with this scripture. I've quoted it many times in this teaching. Let's look at it closely. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. Thank you for your word, Father. For though we walk in the flesh, though we walk in the natural, we live in a natural space, physical, natural world, we do not walk According to the flesh, the engagement we do in our physical, natural existence is not limited to the flesh. It's not limited to just the natural. Don't make the mistake like the rest of the world, like the unbelievers that have no hope because they have no covenant with God to limit the way you live your life to just the natural, to just the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, verse 4. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's what we've been trying to do for the last couple of Wednesdays that look, we are coming into a conference that we call supernatural. There is a realm of supernatural and you can embrace that realm and experience great things from that realm. Things that the flesh or the natural cannot provide for you. So, there may be no natural hope or natural help financially, and you are struggling financially, you can learn to switch into the supernatural or engage the supernatural, which is what we are titling this, engaging the supernatural or walking in the supernatural. So even though naturally in the flesh there is no hope, you can have hope. And that's what we are teaching And you really ought to make this a lifestyle. Our devotional study this month is um, supernatural lifestyle. This is not just something you should be doing when supernatural convention is coming around. Bless God, you should do it when supernatural convention is coming around. Take it to another level. There is no limit when you are talking supernatural with God. All things are possible. No limit. So you can grow in your experience and in your manifestation of the supernatural. Amen. And the first thing we ask you to do is to paint a picture. Paint a picture. Have a um, picture of the supernatural from the word of God. Paint a picture. We've shared several scriptures um, along that line. And I, I want us to get to this point. I mentioned this briefly on Sunday. I want to go deeper into it. It's where your mind is now functioning like the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians two sixteen, As a Christian, one of the things God has given you is the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians two sixteen, For who has known the mind of the Lord? And I would just like to you to understand that the mind of Christ worked supernaturally. Who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. Well, what that simply means is this. If you are born again, the capacity to operate in the mental realm that Jesus operated in, you can. You may not be doing it 100% like Jesus was doing it. You may not be as developed yet as Jesus, but bless God, you can start from somewhere. It's like a baby that was born yesterday. The moment that baby is born, that baby can start living like a human being. Oh, he may not be able to do everything that a full-grown adult can, can do. He may not be able to walk yet. He may not be able to swim yet. He may not be able to take his bath by himself. But there are certain things he can breathe like any normal human being. A normal baby. He can eat like any other baby. So if you are born again, you have the mind of Christ. You can elevate your thinking to that supernatural dimension that Jesus used in his life and ministry. Can I hear a loud amen? And that goes to the core of what Paul was teaching us in Second. Corinthians 10, that text we read. If you are going to win the war of life and you are at war, I don't even want to go into that tonight. I've told you this the many times in church. Every believer should know that you are at war in the realm of the spirit. You, you win the war or the battles of life not by just doing flesh, carnal, natural things. If you do it that way, you will lose. You will always lose. Financially, you will lose. Maritally, you will lose. In your health, you will lose. Because those are not the tools God gave you to fight your battle with. So, what you have to do is to know how to engage the weapons you have been given that are mighty in God. And He told you what those weapons are for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and imagination that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. It's a mental battle, the battle of the mind. And simply put, learn to train your mind to not just function in the natural in the flesh, but also in the supernatural. Hallelujah. Philippians 2:5. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ. Specifically, there it was talking about the mentality of a steward, but it buttresses the point we are making. Train your mind to function like Jesus' mind functioned, or more importantly. Train yourself to function with the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ. Let the mind of Christ take hold of the way you run your mind. So, how did Jesus think supernaturally? Let me quickly reiterate three examples I've mentioned. The first story was the time where he had to pay taxes, Matthew 17, from verse 24. And he said, should, who do you think should pay tribute? Should the son of the nobles pay tribute? But, he said, okay. but look at what he said in verse 27. Notwithstanding, he needed to pay money. money. Physical money. This is as simple as Lassa coming to you know, Lassa, sometimes they'll come They say, you have to pay this tax. And rather than going to our guaranteed trust bank account, there is nothing wrong with doing that. Look at what Jesus did. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, talking to Peter, cast and hook, and take up the fish that first comes up. When you open the mouth of that fish, you will find a piece of money, or a gold coin. Take it, give out that for me and thee. Go and pay what they ask us to pay. I mean, of all the ways to get money. Now, I'm not asking you to leave this service and go and start fishing, Looking for mm -mm, that's not the more that's not why the Bible tells us these stories. But it shows that Jesus's mentality when it comes to dealing with natural things like money, it wasn't just limited to the natural order. And what this does for us the blessing it brings to us is perhaps you don't have a job, or you don't have a steady income, or you have lost your job, or things are a bit difficult financially, you don't have to live hopelessly. That's how the mind of, look, he could have been said, ah, I don't have money. These people are going to arrest us. But that's not how the mind of Christ operated. God can make a way out of nowhere to provide for me financially. Can somebody shout a loud amen to that? Even if it means he has to somehow put the money in the mouth of one fish that is swimming in one lake somewhere. We, nobody will ever be able to explain how that miracle happened that day. But when you begin to function with the mind of Christ, that supernatural mentality and when you consciously elevate your mind to think that way you will be experiencing those kind of miracles how the money will come you may not be able to explain it you will just realize that at the end of the day, there was money there praise the lord i said praise the lord and the way you get to think supernatural is you read stories like this and you meditate upon them and you put yourself inside that text so i'm the jesus and the peter here and the same way God somehow got the money across to them, God will get my own money across to me. And that will fuel your hope. Hallelujah. Fuel your expectation. And fuel your faith. Particularly as you are coming for a conference like Supernatural. Who knows? You may be like Pastor T that comes to church one Sunday morning and you go home with a new car. <laughs> and that has happened for many people here in church, not just me. Praise the Lord. Amen. The other story, John chapter 6. I won't take the time to read the story, but this is the first part of this thing. Picture supernatural, things that human mind cannot comprehend. God still does them in 2018. And God will do them for you this season in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, please, we are not asking you to be responsible where the natural is concerned. So don't leave there and say, you know what, I'm going to resign my job. And the way I'm going to be living is that every morning I'll be going to a Teosa to go and look for goldfish that has coin inside his mouth. You will suffer. That's not what we are teaching you here. But what we are saying is beyond your job, if you have a job, and bless God if you don't have a job or there are challenges with your job, God can still provide for you. Can I hear loud amen? That's what we are teaching here. God is not limited to your job or your employment or your business. Hallelujah. To meet your needs, and this is not just financially so across board. So, John six, a multitude of people had come. Jesus wanted to feed them. Hallelujah! And I l- watch this. Watch the mind of Christ again, verse six. I mean, verse five. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, John chapter six, verse five, he saw a great company come unto him, and he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread? that these may eat. From where are we going to get bread to feed these people? And he said to, and, and watch this, verse 6, this is where I'm going. This he said to prove them, for he himself knew what to do. Hallelujah. The disciples did not know what to do. They didn't know what to do supernaturally. They, ah, where are we going to get the, money? the, the limited money? Okay, even if we have the money, where are we going to buy the bread? God still fed the thousands of people in one wilderness somewhere without any money and without any bakery. It was like what he did when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt in the wilderness. And for 40 years, manna from heaven, feeding them. Somebody shout supernatural. Hallelujah. And the third one is the story we just used to pray. John chapter 11, Lazarus when they came to tell him Lazarus is sick Jesus, the Bible said Jesus tarried there four days deliberately waited for him to die oh when he got there hey master if you had been here my brother would not have died Jesus said no your brother will rise again and they raised him from the dead those are not natural acts but God still did them can I hear a loud amen and I'm encouraging you God will do your own I said God will do your own Where you need it the most, God will do your own. Where you need answers, God will give you supernatural answers. Where you need solutions, God will give you supernatural solutions. God will give you supernatural breakthroughs. God will give you supernatural miracles. In the name of Jesus, expect them. Expect them. Think them. Read these stories, read these scriptures. Meditate on them. Put yourself inside. Can I hear a loud amen? Glory be to God. So that is on one part what to do. This teaching has two parts. How you are preparing for spiritual. The second part is now understand the principles to enable it to be operating in your life regularly. And I've shared several of them with you. We started from grace, learn to factor grace, learn to depend on grace, start on grace. Abba, Father, God is my Father, God loves me. I don't have to do anything for God to bless me. He has already done it on my behalf. While I was a sinner, Jesus died for me. Always start your work with God, particularly now, under the new covenant, on that platform of grace. It's not about my effort. It's about his sacrifice. It's not about what I've done or what I'm doing or what I will do. Yes, I'm going to do some things. We're going to teach you many more things apart from grace. Like I taught you in church several months ago, it's always grace and you will see in the New Testament. It's always grace and we are saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 teaches us, but it now says through faith and faith. So you, you, you start on that platform of grace, unmerited favor, unearned favor, undeserved favor, favor I did not qualify for. It will come for you this season in the name of Jesus. And all you need to do is to receive it. All. it's nothing more than that. So you better start learning to say, I receive. Some of you still don't do that in church. When we tell you, you better learn to do it. This thing is like breathing air. I mean, that's my image of grace. It's like the air. I don't pay for air. I don't pray to God to give me air before he gives me air. I thank him for the air that I breathe. But he provides it freely. And that's the same way God provides healing for me freely, favor for me freely. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm believing. And I'm just receiving from him. Glory be to God. And while I'm standing on that place of grace, I'm exercising my faith. That's the next thing we talked about. Romans verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that may be by grace. So live by faith. Live by faith. And we've shared along that many things. Let me just quickly mention the things that we've talked about. We've talked about grace, we've talked about faith. Last week, we talked about boldness. Studying Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, we just looked at those two chapters. There was a mirror, um, an outstanding supernatural experience for the man that they kept at the beautiful gate, in one moment, glory be to God, a 40 plus years problem was resolved. And when we read that story, we find many things that people did that made that miracle happen. And those are the things we are asking you to learn. Standing on grace. Walking from grace. Relying on grace. Peter Exercise boldness. The disciples prayed for boldness. Talked about that last week. On Sunday, I talked to you about liberality and generosity. Substantive giving. And story after story in Bible, we see people that by generous giving, sacrificial giving, substantive giving, they did that in that church. Acts chapter 4. The church was notorious for Generosity. Everybody in the church, the Bible said, that had land, amazing statement. The Bible doesn't exaggerate. There was no one landowner in that church, not one that did not sell his land. And like I shared with us, they did it because they were taught to do it. So we take people they give. I mean, particularly at a time like this, preparing for annual convention, we are spending a lot of money, give towards it. God even told us at the year end everybody should give a sacrificial seed. Year end is from now till end of January or year end and the beginning of the new year. That represents your level. And that's the beautiful thing about giving. Any kind of giving you give at your level. You don't give what you don't have. You give what and what is costly to me. The widow of Zarephath is not the same thing that is to David, the king of Israel. They listed all the gold and all the silver and all the treasures David gave. He was the king, he could give it. And he gave substantively. He said, because of my my heart, I've set my heart on the house of God. The same way, the widow of Zarephath had nothing but her last card that was not able to sustain her. She also gave substantively. God commanded the widow to take care of the prophet. And she gave for So everybody can give. You start from where you are. And you see, both Solomon, I mean both David and Solomon in that case, so David left the money, Solomon built the temple. When they did, they the, prince, the temple. The prince of God filled the temple. Nobody could stand. Supernatural. And the widow of Zarephath, supernatural. All through the famine, she did not lack a child. Everybody. But what was the key? They trusted God. You see, when you start giving substantively like that, something that costs you It shows that your confidence is in God, not in the material possession. So that's one way to trigger it. Standing on grace, so it's not that you are pressuring yourself. You are still, God is my father, God loves me. But yet, I understand that this key causes grace to abound. Let me give you two more keys tonight, and then we're going to pray. And again, we're going to find them in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm focusing mainly on that. Of course, you will see the principle all through the scriptures, but I want to show you the things they mention in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. And you can practice them. They were, in one way or the other, involved in that amazing supernatural encounter that that man had. I prophesy again over the sound of my voice. In that area of your life where you seem to be crippled, Whether it's concerning your health or your finances or maritally. The same way God showed up supernaturally for that man. God will show up for you this season in the name of Jesus. In that area, you will soon be walking and leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus. Supernaturally. Hallelujah. So, what is it? Look at the fourth or another key I want to give us. Acts chapter 3 verse 18. I have a supernatural mindset. I'm training and renewing my mind to think like Jesus. Painting picture of supernatural. And on the other hand, I'm practicing the principles that make it work. I'm walking in grace. I'm walking in faith. I'm exercising boldness. I'm not intimidated by my problem. I'm giving substantively as God enables me. Hallelujah. Just positioning myself for supernatural experiences. So Peter was talking to them. Everybody was saying, oh, when when the miracle happened, everybody was trying to get an explanation. And you see, the, the question in the air was, how did this miracle happen? How can this man that has been begging all his life, at the gate of the church, where everybody knows him. How is he now walking and leaping and praising God? That was the question in the air. And every answer Peter and John offered the people was a way that made that miracle happen. So he was explaining to them what happened. Look at what he said in verse 18 of Acts chapter 3. We find a very powerful key here. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer has been fulfilled. He has thus fulfilled. Verse 19, this is the key. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Told them, you people, you slaughtered the Savior that God sent to you, and you asked them to deliver to you an armed robber. You killed the person that God sent that will come and save you. He preached the word of God to them. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Hallelujah. And that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. May there be times of refreshing for you this season from the presence of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But there's a key there. He told them to repent. Verse 20. And that he may send Jesus Christ, whom was preached to you before. Whom heaven must receive, watch another powerful thing you are going to receive, until the time of restoration of all things. May you enjoy times of restoration of all things in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I love those two promises there. And I want us to believe God for them. See, that's what that man enjoys. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Times of restoration of all things. Glory be to God. His feet were restored to him, even though he had never even walked. God doesn't create anybody to be crippled. That's the work of the devil. Amen. Times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Say with me this evening, times of refreshing. Come on, say it like you have some faith. Times of refreshing. Times of restoration. Of all things. I I want you to claim those two blessings over your life. Say, this season shall be times of refreshing and times of restoration. Of all things. For me, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Can we say it together one more time? This season, I shall experience times of refreshing and times of restoration of all things. Hallelujah. From the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. But he told them, repent. Repent. Now, if Peter was not born again, and if Peter was, had not repented, I mean, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe he couldn't have worked. not even maybe. Most likely, that miracle would not have happened that day. Now, the man that got healed, we know he didn't get born again. i are not disputing that here. But the Peter and John that ministered the healing to him, that whom God used to minister the healing, they were people that had repented. They were born again people. And for him to have told them to repent... In answer to the question in the air, how did this miracle happen? The scripture is opening our eyes to something powerful. And it's taught all through scriptures. Let me give you three or four more to buttress my point Romans 2 and 4. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. So the key here is new birth for the people that are not born again, like these people that Peter was talking to. Repent and be converted, get born again. In this church, and by the grace of God forever, we will always give people opportunity to get born again. Because it is a key to experiencing times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord and time of restoration of all things. God told us to go and preach to everyone. That's what Peter was doing here. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Or do you despise the riches... Of, the, of God's goodness? Somebody should answer that rhetorical question. Do you despise it? Do you take it for granted? Somebody say, God is rich to me. In goodness. Hallelujah. Do you despise the riches of God's goodness, his forbearance, and long-suffering? We shouldn't do. But watch what the Bible says here. Not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance. The goodness of God. What that crippled man experienced. That supernatural encounter that he got was the good. The man did not pray any prayer. We don't even know whether he repented. God just showed him favor. But why does God show favor like that? He gives his goodness or shows his goodness so that it can lead to Repentance. And that's what was playing out there. By healing that man, by the favor of God, the power of God supernaturally, and causing everybody to pay attention to what was going, God now had an opportunity to preach to them repent. Hallelujah. God's favor, God's mercy, God's grace is to lead us to repent. Now, for those that are not born again, that means they should get born again. And really what they need to do is to confess their faith in the Lordship of Jesus. For those of us that are born again, that have already confessed Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as the grace of God keeps teaching us, we should be renewing our minds. Re- to repent simply means to do a 180 degree turn. Where you are missing it, God corrects you and rebukes you if you need to be rebuked. So that you can have times of refreshment in God's presence and restoration of all things. A wrong road will never lead to a right destination. So what does God do? He shows us favor even when we are missing it. Even when we have not prayed, he will still heal us. Even when we are not in faith, he will still bless us. Even when we are wrong, our attitude is wrong, our confession is stinking Our thinking is lousy. We are not even thinking supernatural. God will still do supernatural things for us. But why does he do that? To lead us to repentance. Not so that you continue thinking natural. No. What God wants you to do is start thinking supernaturally. Not that you stop, stop being prayerless. God doesn't want you to be prayerless. God wants you to be prayerful. But he will still show you favor because God's goodness leads to repentance. The prayerful guy that God has shown favor should start praying. The crippled man that God has healed now. And Peter is sharing all these things. God help that man if he didn't get born again that day. Rascal him. (laughs) I don't know if he got born again. But the whole reason that God showed goodness was to lead us to repentance. Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Is anybody interested in grace abounding over their life? I can't hear you. Are you interested in grace abounding, mercy abounding, favor abounding? Shall you continue in sin that grace may abound? The obvious answer is no. Certainly not, in case you still don't know the answer. He who has died to sin, how can, he, how can we who have died to sin live in it any longer? So when grace comes, when goodness comes, when mercy comes, when God supernaturally heals a 40-year-old man that has been crippled from birth, even though the man did not pray, and the man did not have faith, and the man was not bold. It was Peter that was going to pray. It was Peter that had faith. It was Peter that exercised boldness. but God still touched him. It's so that he can lead us to repentance. Hallelujah. And grace doesn't come so that we should continue in our wrong road. Grace comes, and grace will abound when we change, when we repent, repentance is the key. The more I'm renewing my mind, I'm becoming more and more like Christ, and that requires me changing. So I was not prayerful, but now by the grace of God, even though I've not prayed for God, still helped me. You know that God has killed me. January to November, God has still been protecting me. Oh, I was not generous in my giving. Oh, God's will is for you to be generous. But God is not going to kill you. But the favor that you are seeing is so that you can repent. And let me tell you the truth. The moment you start repenting, you know, you are born again now. So it's not that you have to get born again. But now you need to start living like Christ. Living the way God wants you to live. Living according to the Word. That's repenting. That's our own repenting. Renewing your thinking. You are not yet thinking like the mind of Christ. Start thinking like Christ. The more you do that, times of refreshing will come. Just like times of refreshing will come for a sinner that gets born again. And just like times of restoration will come for a sinner that gets born again. When a believer begins to renew his mind, repent, change, hallelujah, he will experience more and more grace. Grace will abound more. But when a believer, even though he's enjoying grace, he's still refusing to bend. He will not see abounding grace. That will not be your story forever in Jesus' name. Are you getting what we're teaching here? Oh, you are, not, are you getting what I'm saying? Romans chapter 12. Look at this text in the light of all I've shared so far. Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, these are believers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed how, by the renewing of your mind, by repenting. The renewal of mind process cannot happen without repentance. So I'm meditating on the word. I'm coming to church. I'm being taught by the pastor. Then I hear, oh, when you get born again, you should learn to you should get spirit-filled and pray in other tongues. You are not doing it before. Your mind is not renewed to be praying in the spirit. But repenting means you now renew your mind, you go for that baptism class, you learn what is taught, you receive the grace that's available, your mind gets trained and renewed. And two months ago, you are not praying in tongues. But bless God, by the third month, you are now praying in tongues, you are repenting, your mind is being renewed, and it brings times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord and restoration of all things into your life. You know that what it brings you into the supernatural. Glory to God. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind or by repenting, taking a 180 degree turn. Before you were not praying in tongues, now you are praying in tongues. Before you are not a generous giver, now you are a generous giver. Before you are not meditating on the word, now you are meditating on the word. Before you are not coming for prayer, now you are coming for prayer. Renewal of the mind. Your mind has changed. Your mind is not like the mind of Christ, not the mind of an unbeliever. And what does that happen? Renew in your mind, watch this, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The more I'm renewed, the more I repent, the more I'm changing, the more of the will of God I move from the good will of God to the acceptable will of God to the perfect will of God. I keep enjoying the supernatural. Times of refreshing from presence of the Lord. And restoration of all things. Repentance somebody here under the sound of my voice you are one step of repentance away from a major breakthrough of your life probably something the holy ghost has been working on you for like two years my brother my son my daughter this is how i want to be living your life but you have not repented they are still stuck in your old ways my message to you is peter's message to those people there repent and be converted not to get born again or you're already born again are you here with me How many of you know you are not yet perfect? Or is there anybody here that is perfect? Your prayer life is perfect? Eh? Your generosity is perfect? So you learn. It's just a process of mind renewal. And what it does, glory be to God, it brings times of refreshing from the presence. Supernatural. Those eight days, we are going to be in God's presence like never before. Can I hear a loud amen? and the more aligned we are. Now, don't get me wrong, go. You can enjoy grace by doing nothing, like that man at the crippled gates. Nothing. And God does that. But why does it do us? To lead us to repentance. Why? Repentance brings us into more grace, abounding grace. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, if we are not repentant, we are still as stingy as we were two years ago, we are still as prayerless as we are five years ago, we are still as whatever we are. We are not renewing our mind and getting better. We, grace will not abound. That will not be our story forever. Reverend K and I were talking, but Reverend K is in the country. Praise the Lord. Just this morning, on the way from the airport, and I was talking about some people that, you know, just thanking God how the ministry has changed in 21 years. And you know what we found out? Some people, every time we change, some people get offended. Some people are just anti-change. And the church cannot remain the same. Praise the Lord. If we were still doing the way we were doing 20 years ago in Ife, trying to do global ministry with campus mentality, we wouldn't be here. But bless God, our minds have been renewed over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And the more we repent, glory be to God. I can tell you firsthand, the Reverend K of 2018 is not the Reverend K of 1997. What has happened? He has repented, he has renewed his mind. The pastor T of 20 years ago is not the pastor T of today. What has happened? I've repented over and over again. And every time you do that, times of refreshing from the presence, supernatural experiences. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. And this brings me to the final key. And I think this is the core of it. Because if you can understand repentance and renewal of mind, you will understand this one. Hallelujah. Look at the other thing Peter now told them. Acts chapter 4. Again, catch the gist of these two powerful chapters. Peter and John were going to the temple. Met a crippled man. And immediately God restored him. Perfect health. Supernatural. Somebody shout supernatural. Then commotion happened. Hey, how did this miracle happen? And they used the remaining parts of chapter 3 and chapter 4 to tell us what made that experience possible. They talked about the generosity of the early church, and through their generosity, great grace was upon them all. And the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord because of their generosity. They talked about the prayer life of Peter. He was going to the temple to pray. They talked about their faith in the name of Jesus. They talked about their boldness. Peter preached repentance to them. And look at this final one, Acts four nineteen, that I just want to share. And I won't be surprised if there are maybe another 20 keys there. But these are the ones God gave me. Acts 4, verse 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered and said to them. So after they explained to the elders what happened, the elders now said, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They commanded them, don't preach. Don't preach resurrection from the dead. Don't preach supernatural anymore. So when they said that, Peter now responded. Watch what Peter said. And you will see a vital key here. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Who can even answer that question? Which one is right? Should I listen to men or should I listen to God? Huh? Why are you whispering the answer? Is it that you're not sure? <clears throat> or you don't know the answer? Let me ask again. Look at the question though. Before we read the answer, the answer is in the next verse. But look at the question. <laughs> Amen. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to listen to God, you judge. And you know you're always faced to make judgment's decision. You are going to make that decision every day of your life. Whether you are going to listen to men or listen to God. But may you be like Peter, James, and John and the apostles. Verse 24, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, You can say what you want to. We, we are going to obey God. One major key to engaging the supernatural, embracing the supernatural, experiencing the supernatural, manifesting is obedience. Obedience. Whether it is right to listen to you, or to listen to God. Before God, you know, before Abacha, it may be right to listen to you. Or before Buari or whatever. But you judge. You are going to make decisions. That's your own cup of tea. If you want to listen to yourself rather than God. But for us, God told us to preach this name. We will preach it to, if you like, Kenos. In fact, if you like, us. We will preach it as he has told us to death. We will not but speak of what we have said. In other words, we are going to obey God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Second Corinthians 10 again. Let me begin to close. Look at that text very closely. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Somebody learning something tonight. Hallelujah. Please, supernatural is not just prayer. There are many prayer people, prayer worlds. There's no house of supernatural in their life. Because they don't understand how it works. I'm teaching you how it works. Prayer. Prayer is part of it. But don't just be an ignorant, just praying, 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 praying foolishly. Mm. And many other things apart from prayer there. We will obey God, we will find out what God wants us to do. Oh, we may not be perfect. I will not be 100 under percent. But bless God, we'll keep taking one step and getting better and better. It brings you into manifestation of the supernatural. Look at 2 Corinthians 10 again. See, when Paul talked about the weapons of our warfare. The main weapon, hallelujah, to pulling down strongholds and arguments and imaginations and anything that exalts itself against the of God is the weapon of obedience. Finding out what God wants you to do and doing it. That's how you renew your mind. So when the other say, you don't preach Christ. You will say whether we should listen to you or not, to your business. After they flog you. So when they say, you you now go and pray. Because you want to obey God, you now ask God, anoint us with boldness so that these people that are trying to intimidate us, they won't drive us into a life of disobedience. Look at it. Glory be to God. Verse 4 again, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. What do the weapons do? For the pulling down of the strongholds, Casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, those leaders were exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. Don't preach Christ again by the move of the devil. Hallelujah. Every item that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, Bringing every thought, watch the key, into the obedience of Christ. The obedience of Christ. Pause there for a moment. Romans 5 and 19. Romans 5 and 19. What got us into this mess of sin in the first place? What got us into this mess of poverty and lack? Shame, reproach, failure. Government that is not good for the people. Like we have in some parts of the world. (laughs) Uh? People that don't know how to run country that want to continue running country. <laughs> and we not allowed the people that maybe can give us hope around the country. What brought us there? Let me tell you how we got there. Let me tell you how we got there. Romans 19. If by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, many were made sick, many were made poor, many were condemned to countries with poor governments. What caused it? One man's disobedience is the problem. Also by one man's obedience, many. What will deliver us? Obedience. The weapon of our warfare is called obedience. Number one, the obedience of Christ—that Jesus came and obeyed God. He died for us; he didn't run away when he had the opportunity to run away. Oh, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Take away this cup. This hanging on the cross is too much for me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He obeyed. He, he, he obeyed. That's what saved us. But he was also our example. We are supposed to follow his... "Thinking every thought into... Go back to Acts chapter... I mean, 7 Corinthians 10 again. Every thought into the captivity or to the obedience of Christ. Somebody said to the obedience of Christ. And verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your own obedience is fulfilled. Hallelujah. So I know my own obedience cannot save me. Glory be to God. It is the obedience of Christ that saves me. However, since I'm functioning in the obedience of Christ, I should now not be a rascal. I should follow his example. Yes, I may not be perfect. Yes, I may miss it from time to time. But my mindset and my attitude should be, I want to do God's will. And I'm telling you when you are like that. A time like this, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What's your will for my life? We, in what capacity can I serve you in your church? Oh, we, we are we being challenged to give in church. What would you have me give? Like those apostles. Told them, to preach the gospel. Lord, we'll preach the gospel. Even though everybody's against obedience. Question What if Peter had not gone for prayer that day? We'll be reading Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. What if Peter had not preached the gospel? We'll be reading chapter 3 and chapter 4. Why did he preach the gospel? Jesus told him to. And he chose to obey. Amen. Hallelujah. Piece of advice. Find out. I used this phrase the other day in church. Instructions in righteousness. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 16. I'm going to close with that text. All scripture... Okay, second to the last text. I have one more verse. It's <laughs> given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, profitable for reproof, profitable for correction, profitable for instructions in righteousness. We are to find out the things God will have us. Do. Peter said God told us to preach the name. God told us to preach the resurrection. Whether it is right on your own eyes to obey men rather than God, your business. But for also, we are going to do what God said. Instruction in righteousness. It brings profit, supernatural profits. Everyone under the sound of my voice, please, I beg you. There are certain general instructions God has given us in this church. I've said them over and over again. Serve God. Serve God. Give sacrificially. At your level, they are not asking you to give what you don't have. So if it's only a cup of water, give a cup of water. On and on, all these things we are teaching, obey them. From just one step to another. The more you walk in obedience, you'll be able to punish all disobedience. Amazing statement. Remember the disobedience of Adam that brought all the sickness. You'll be able to overcome the sickness, overcome the poverty. One, because of the obedience of Christ, because Jesus has paid the price on the cross, then because you yourself. You are following the steps hallelujah this is how we can walk in the supernatural lord what will you have me do where am i missing it what am i doing that i'm not supposed to be doing what am i not what am i to be doing that i'm not doing in a way of consecration if god doesn't tell you anything just continue to do what you know to do but bless god as the spirit of god begins to remind you or show you what you ought to do hallelujah Are you still interested in supernatural experiences? Remember, you're still standing on grace. Glory be to God. You see, that's why I said you must be very grounded in that one. So it's not that, hey, God told me to pray. And last week I didn't pray. Hey, I'm condemned. No, that's not what we are teaching you. Can I hear a loud amen? When you find yourself in situations like that, that's why the, the first thing they talked about was the obedience of Christ. Glory be to God. Before they talk about your own obedience, you run back, thank God Jesus died for me. Thank God Jesus was my perfect sacrifice. Hallelujah. And you still rest on grace. But from that place of standing on what Jesus did, now that you know you are to do certain things, by the grace, begin to do them. The more you do that, you will, the more you will experience supernatural encounters. Oh, hallelujah. That's what the Bible teaches. Can we continue in sin? That grace can we continue disobeying God? And we think we will have abundance of grace. No. Hallelujah. But when we can be like Peter, we are going to obey God. Though. One day, you will see that kind of miracle where you will pull up a man that has been crippled from birth for something years and immediately, hallelujah, his will receive strength. Rise on your feet tonight if you are ready for supernatural experiences. And listen, all the keys I've shared, don't let them intimidate you. Start from grace. Glory be to God. Somebody say, I'm standing on grace. Say I'm standing on a merited favor. Say, I'm standing on the mercy of God. I'm standing on the goodness of God. I'm leaning on the provisions of God's grace. Come on, leave those hands and begin to magnify Him. Kenama Shatakaya. But as I'm leaning on grace, I choose to obey what God tells me to do, I will do. As I'm leaning on grace, I choose to be generous and to give substantively. As I'm leaning on grace, I choose to be bold. I will speak the word of God with boldness. I will declare by this time tomorrow, I will finish well. As I'm leaning on grace, I will be prayerful. As I'm leaning on grace, I will live by faith. Hallelujah.